following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. Let's go ahead and dig into Proverbs 3 together. Okay, Proverbs 3 is a fairly well-known and often quoted proverb. So you might see some things that are familiar as we're getting into this. Uh, The first 18 verses cover a a bit of a mixed bag in terms of subject matter. So we're going to take it one section at a time. Okay, Proverbs 3, 1 through 18. Here we go. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave, leave you Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. Praise God for his word. Let's go back to verses 1 and 2. We'll take a look at those. Uh, They they seem pretty basic, right? What does it say? Don't forget my teaching and, and keep my commandments. That seems pretty elementary, pretty uh, kind of milk toast. But it's really important that that basic command that we heed it and pay attention to it and assess ourselves by it because many of the struggles that we have in life are the result of not obeying what we already know. James says that the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And that instability is the opposite of the peace that God desires for his children. The Christian life throughout the scriptures, it's often compared to walking a path, and and that path is long and diligent obedience in the same direction. And when we forget or ignore even the simple things we know the Lord has called us to, it it often creates a situation like, I don't know what you guys called them back in school, we called them running rats, right? Like, you know, we did that in gym class. So what I'm talking about is, uh, it's not like being out on the track, or at least you got a loop that you're doing. We would be in the gym, and, and you'd start at one side, you'd run to the other side, touch the line, run all the way back, touch the other line. And, and what, am I, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean, by the end of that, you've run back and forth, back and forth. You're tired, you're exhausted, but you haven't gone anywhere. And that's what it's like when we ignore the commands of God. That's what it's like when we don't remember the teaching. And if we're honest with ourselves, I think that happens to us a lot. Sometimes we skip over those basic things or what we think we need is a new revelation or some new information. And oftentimes where our struggle is, is that we're not obeying some of the simple things that we know to be true. 
Let's look at verses 3 and 4. It says, Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. So here we're given two specific elements of obedience to God. And the word picture we have is of binding them around our neck and, and writing them on our hearts. That's, that's another way to say, never let these go. And always have them with you. Kindness and truth. In a time when, for many, tolerance has, has been elevated to the highest of virtues, a lot of people don't see how these two words belong together. Kindness is, is a manifestation of godly love. And, and that's pretty easy to understand. I think for most of us, we can connect kindness and love conceptually. That's not difficult. But what can be hard is that being a truth teller is also a manifestation of godly love. Ephesians 4 says we should speak the truth in love. And this means that sometimes the most kind thing we can do for someone is to tell them the truth, even if they don't like it or agree. The key here is to mind our motives. If we're speaking truth from a selfishness or, or a sense of superiority, then it's fruitless and, and it's even sinful. But if we're speaking from a place of genuine love and kindness towards someone, it can break down walls and it can lead to freedom for them and glory for God. The truth is, we cannot be cowards in regard to truth in the name of kindness. We can't let us saying, well, I, I want to be kind or I want to be gentle, keep us from being truth tellers because kindness without truth is not truly kind at all. This principle, it informs the way we treat and speak to others, to be sure, but it, almost, it also must shape our expectations of how others deal with us. A wise person will open the doors wide for people who love Jesus and who love them, they'll open the doors for them to examine the fruit of their life and to tell them the truth. M much like antiseptic, it may sting a bit, but it is saving you from something much worse. I pray I can be that kind of person. I want to keep the doors open. Let's look at verses 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Well, if that isn't timely and appropriate in light of our current situation, <laughs> I don't know what is. Uh, you, you'll hear people say sometimes about preaching, we need to make the Bible relevant in modern times. I'm going to go with, nope, I, I think it's doing just fine on its own. <laughs> and this is not just wise counsel when there is a pandemic viral infection affecting the world. However, situations like this can be powerful catalysts that reveal how much we do trust in other things with all of our heart and how much we do lean on our own understanding. There's three major ways people can deal with this COVID-19 situation or other difficult circumstances in life. I'm going to give you those three ways. The first is to panic. And this reaction is where you lose your trust in anything and you end up reeling with anxiety and confusion. 
Now, the fact that there are information sources and people spinning the facts to favor whatever end of the spectrum they like to stand on, that's not helpful. But God's promise here is if we trust him with all of our hearts, we don't have to experience the dizziness of trying to keep track of all that. There is a straight path down the middle that is safe and it's sure. Trusting in the Lord with all of our hearts in every circumstance, that's not something that we can do in our strength. We need the Holy Spirit's help. Panic is it's one of a couple natural reactions to scary situations. But Philippians 4 says that we can be anxious for nothing and that the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. The second way you can respond to situations like this is denial. Ignoring or minimizing the issue in order to avoid panicking. And this is not a godly option because it ignores truth. And it is damaging because you're deceiving yourself. And it's only, it only kind of works, right? Up and until the point where the reality of the situation becomes undeniable. Then panic sets in anyways. Oftentimes, people who choose denial, they'll end up scoffing at those who are panicking. But the false peace that denial offers is worse, really, in some ways, because it can lead to a lack of compassion as you continue to try to convince yourself you're going to be okay, oftentimes by focusing on how ridiculous everyone else is being. It can make us hard of heart. And that is even worse than panicking, really. So you can panic. You can use denial as a coping mechanism. The third way is you can trust. Trusting in the Lord is not panic or denial. We can look with eyes wide open at the reality of a difficult situation. We can acknowledge that there is a real issue and yet still know that we are going to be okay. Now, let me be clear. When I say we're going to be okay, that doesn't mean we're not going to experience any hardship or pain. If you've been saved by grace through faith in Christ, then the potential for death is, is not something to fear, but to look forward to, because death is how you enter into the presence of our perfect God, which, by the way, is the destiny you were ultimately created for. So, in an eternal sense, yes, we will be okay. But the gospel offers us a perspective on suffering that means, really, we will be okay in this life as well. We see, we get a glimpse into this because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We, we see in that that God is not absent in our suffering, but he is always shaping and weaving and using all that happens for our good and his glory. Of course, we, we often cannot see it as we are enduring the difficulty. One of the examples when I'm thinking about this principle that comes to mind most vibrantly is the disciples. Even though they had been told by Jesus what would happen, they, they could not understand how the agony of watching their master be crucified was for their good. In the midst of it, they couldn't see it. And yet, it was the greatest good in all of history. Not just for them, but for all who would humbly acknowledge that they are sinners and receive the gift of salvation by trusting 
in Jesus. And it's not just the death and resurrection of Jesus that helps us to trust God in difficult circumstances. His life and teachings are huge when it comes to that. Jesus showed us that the way humans work best and are the most joyful is when we take our eyes off of ourselves and focus on the needs of others. The problem is panic or denial doesn't allow us to do this. It doesn't allow us to do that thing where we function best. Quit focusing so much on us and looking to the needs of others. Panic or denial doesn't allow us to do that, but if we trust God with all of our hearts, we can move out into the pain and suffering of the world, bringing the light and love and the hope of Christ to people as we operate in that peace that surpasses understanding. I saw an example of this, or heard an example rather of this, this week. One of the nurses in our congregation was talking about this the other day. She told me that the environment in the local hospitals is very tense, and there are a lot of people freaking out. Uh, And she knows that this is an incredible opportunity for her to acknowledge that there is a lot to be anxious and nervous about. But at the same time, she can acknowledge that, but also walk in the peace of God, praying for and encouraging those around her who don't know the Lord can be trusted. And thus, they only think they have panic or denial as an option. Trusting the Lord with all of our hearts in this time is going to mean that we are prayerfully focused on figuring out how we can be the light we've been called to be when it seems like it's getting darker. Now the reality is, it's been dark since sin entered the world. But a lot of people live too distracted with the shiny trappings of this world to notice. But a lot of those distractions, quite frankly, are getting shut down. And people are looking up and they're looking around. And there is very possibly even more struggle and darkness ahead. What does that mean? That means that this is, this is time for the people of God to be the light that Jesus showed us how to be and called us to be. And this means that being people of peace amidst the chaos. This means looking for ways to meet the needs of those around us. This means taking care of the vulnerable. Finding practical ways to love and serve folks. And all the time pointing to the truth of the gospel. And explaining to people that we trust God with all of our hearts. Not because it's our own form of denial. But because he is truly worthy of our trust. Amen. Let's look at verses 7 and 8 together. It says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Now, if you read verse 7 and you say to yourself, but what if I am wise? You found the problem. (laughs) Here's the thing. If you take some time and go talk to people who are really wise and intelligent, they will tell you that the wiser they got, the more they realized how wise they weren't. 
foolish people are typically really confident, which is bad. It's also sometimes hilarious, but mostly bad. True wisdom, in reality, is, is the fear of the Lord, which in part is an acknowledgement of how big He is and how small we are. If your focus is on His greatness, you will feel foolish calling yourself wise. And this is not poor self-esteem, it's proper self-esteem. Living this way is healing and refreshing because it frees you from the weight of having to continually try to prove to yourself and everyone else how wise or smart or successful you are. Listen, if you're intelligent or you have some wisdom or you're successful in your field, it's because God has graciously gifted you. He is the source of all these things. And His might and wisdom and His goodness and power They so far exceed our own that if if we think about it correctly, instead of comparing ourselves to other humans, we would feel silly to boast. Sometimes, we need to say this, sometimes people are godless and successful in their field, and that just means that they don't acknowledge where their capacity for success came from. And it means that the talents God gave them are being wasted on chasing the wind. Because we were made for God. We were made for His service. We were made for relationship with Him. We were made to participate in the building of His great and glorious eternal kingdom. And that means if we're spending and wasting the resources of time, talent, and treasure that He's entrusted to us, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, it's like chasing wind. And I don't know if you've ever done that, but it's pretty frustrating, pretty fruitless. Praise God for his word, that we're not left to our own foolish musings, but he's given us wisdom. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, there's multiple motivations given throughout the scriptures for generously giving of your finances to support the mission of helping people meet and follow Jesus. And I would say that this motivation in verses 9 and 10 is is not the best of all of them, but it is still a relevant point. Uh, And we find it here, so let's talk about it. Overflow is the key word here. God is always looking to bless people that he can trust to then give freely, knowing that what they hold, the resources that they hold, have only been entrusted to them but they really belong to the king of everything, and his name is Jesus. That's what the scripture is saying here. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. You know, if you fill a cup, you've got everything you need in the cup. But he's talking here about overflow. He's talking here about God giving you enough resources and entrusting you with the resources that if there's more than you need, you're not going to hoard that for yourself but you're going to look for opportunities to give. You're going to look for opportunities to be generous. In times of difficulty, like right now, many, many times, oftentimes, difficulty and, and stressful circumstances and things like pandemic viruses, that, that's the hardest time to be generous if we're really being honest. The temptation to hoard for ourselves because of the unknown that's ahead, it's really strong. 
But if we remember that it is God who has provided thus far, we will be able to fully trust him to continue in that faithful provision. God's looking for givers. He wants to fill his people to overflowing. Uh, Not to hoard, not to show it off. Not so that their sense of security comes from the resources that he gave. But so that he can use us like a funnel. That as he pours it in, we're pouring it right back out. God is looking for that. And he will bless. He does. He wants to. I praise God for that. I pray that all of us would be inclined towards generosity. Amen. Let's look at verses 11 and 12 together. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. Sometimes those are tough verses to believe. My question for you is, do you ever pray this way? I think we should. I think we should pray prayers like, Lord, I want your correction. I want you to come in and mess with me if I'm getting off track in my thinking or in my obedience or lack thereof. God, I don't want to be a child that's just left to meander out and and do what I think is best. But Lord, your correction I know is an act of love from you to me. I know oftentimes we've had this conversation with our own children, explaining to them that discipline is not a result of wanting to hurt them or do bad to them, but it's because we love them. And the difficult part, I think, for many of us is once you become an adult, you don't want to hear that you need discipline or correction because, you know, you're fully developed or so we think and you know how to rule your own life, but that's the whole point. That's where we need to come to. That's why Jesus talked about us needing to stay like children. This is one of those elements. Understanding that the way our little children are with us, there's a, there's a distance, there's, there's a, a, a difference in understanding. There's a need for the one who is older and wiser to instruct and to guide the one who is younger and naive. And we need to understand the distance between us and our children. If we were to measure that and then stack it up against the difference between us, all of us, very wise adults, if we measure the distance between us and God, the difference there is there's no yardstick to measure it. It's that big. We need, that's, that, we need that humility to sit upon us. And, and in that, then welcome the loving correction of God, knowing that we're going to need it, assuming that I'm going to need it often, if not daily, hourly, and, and minute by minute. I thank God that he's faithful to do it, that he's patient and that his motive is not to control us, not to show off how strong he is. It's his great love for us. He's doing something with us. That's what the analogy of a, a, a potter and a wheel and us being a lump of clay is all about in Romans. That's what he's talking about. He's shaping us and molding us and making us into something that we can never accomplish on our own. He has a destiny for us. And he's moving us along that process of sanctification patiently and lovingly. And my hope is that we all will pray and will seek for that. We'll ask God to do that. Ask him to help us incline our ear to be able to hear his voice when he's dealing with us in that way. Out of his great love for us. Amen. Let's look at verses 13 through 18 together. 
How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who hold her fast. This set of verses 13 through 18, the truth that we see here is also pretty apparent. If we didn't already believe it just because it's in God's word, it's pretty apparent at this moment. The stock market, sports, travel, and other industries are all hemorrhaging cash, and the fleeting security of wealth is on full display. But the wisdom of God, in contrast, and the understanding of our place and purpose in this world can't be taken away by flood or famine or fire or pandemic. The truth of God, the crown jewel of which is the gospel, is worth more than any and all the little temporary pleasantries we wish for and chase after. That's what it's saying. When it's talking about silver and gold and jewels, is the most expensive, most precious things that he could use to compare. And, and maybe that doesn't turn your crank. Maybe you're not a jewelry person, but there are things, friends. We will need to be constantly convinced and reconvinced that the wisdom and knowledge of God is far better than any of those things. And how do we know where we're at in that process? Well, it takes some self-assessment. It takes submitting ourselves to the inspection of the Holy Spirit as, as he comes to help us assess what are our appetites, what what am I really hungry and thirsty for? What do I, when I sit and daydream, what, what am I hoping for? What do I, what, what, what motivates me? What captivates my thought life? These are the things that help us know if we really believe what we're seeing here in Proverbs. Our belief of it, one way or the other, doesn't affect its truthfulness. We need to believe it, friends. It's where joy and happiness and peace is found in having these things that can't be taken away. Praise God. The, the wisdom of God, the crown jewel of which I said is the gospel. Why, why am I saying that? Why is that so much more precious than any of these other things we could list? Than any of what the rest of the world would clamor after? Why is the knowledge of the gospel so precious? Is it just because I'm a Bible teacher and I'm supposed to say that? Friends, no. To know, to know that we are broken people, frail and riddled with sin. Oftentimes we're wise in our own eyes and we're, we're, foolish, we're foolish enough to think that we are in control. To know that all of that is true and yet at the same time we are also greatly loved and we are faithfully provided for by our God who is patient and kind and powerful enough to do all that he has promised to do. That knowledge, this knowledge is the greatest treasure that we could ever lay our hands on. And my prayer over us this week especially, friends, is that we would truly believe it and that we would live like it for our good and for his glory. Amen. I'm going to pray for us, and we'll worship some more.
Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for Proverbs chapter 3. Thank you, God, for the truth contained herein. Lord, help us to trust you with all of our heart, not leaning on our own understanding. Help us to acknowledge you in all of our ways and know that you will make our path straight. God, may we desire that straight path. Lord, help us to be aware of the fatigue that comes and run in circles and to and fro. Lord, help us set our feet upon that beautiful gospel narrow path that leads to life. And God, give us a passion and a desire to show others the way. God, I know that what we're going through right now as a people is not a result of you losing power, leaving your throne, falling asleep on us. Those things don't happen. You are God and you are sovereign and you are good and you've proven that beyond a shadow of a doubt. So God, that leaves us with the question, then what are you doing in the midst of this? What is your plan? How is it that we are to participate in that? And God, I just ask that this question would drive us. Lord, what would you have us do? God, please give us wisdom and understanding what it looks like to walk in love in this time to be peacemakers, to be people of peace. God, I pray for every single person that's a part of Love City Church, wherever they are, whatever they're going to be doing, God, whoever they're going to encounter, there's going to be a lot of anxiety. There's going to be a lot of panic and a lot of denial, but God, help us to be people who are walking in trust, trusting you. Not because we don't know what else to do or there's no other option, but because you have shown, Lord, you told us, from Genesis 3 forward, you, you told us you had a plan. You told us you were working all things, that you were going to bring all this together, that you were going to redeem the lost, that you were going to save all of us who had been separated from you by sin. You said you would do it, and then you did it just like you said you would when you said you would. And God, ever since then, you've been continuing to be faithful to your promises. You've been good to each of us. If all we had was the gospel, if all we had was the truth of Jesus coming, living, dying in our place and rising from the grave, that would be enough to trust you for all eternity. But you just keep going. You just keep keeping your promises. You just keep being faithful. You just keep meeting each of us where we are and doing for us the things we can't do for ourselves, providing for us and teaching us, correcting us and loving us. Thank you for doing that. You are trustworthy. Lord, help us to live as if that's true and to be ready to talk to others about why that is where we stand. Lord, may love guide us. May your peace keep us and guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We love you and we exalt you. We honor you alone because you're the only one worthy of these things. Please help us in this time, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To give or find out more about Love City Church, visit www.mylovecitychurch.org.